Hi, I'm Nathan Gould. And I'm Lazarus Gromos. And this is the Backpeg Group H Preview. This is Destination Doha Episode 7, mm. with a group containing South Korea, Ghana, Uruguay and Portugal. Or as I call it, the group of death for the 2022 World Cup. We've got Kofi Danning who will be joining us. Uh, for those who aren't aware, Kofi was born in Ghana but represented Australia at the Socceroo level. And it'll be a pleasure to have him on and discuss Ghana's chances and what he thinks of this upcoming World Cup. saying off air that this perhaps is the group of death. I think I said it in the previous podcast too, Nathan, that I think this is the group of death because the teams are so close to one another here. Anybody can beat anyone on any given day here. And yeah, it's a fascinating group. Fascinating group. I, don't, really I know is. you're not so hot on it. I'm not that hot on it because we'll talk about Uruguay a bit later on, but I think they are nowhere near as strong as they were in Russia. Yeah, I okay. The players have aged... Yep, and the ones coming through, they're not quite ready yet. Yep, I think they'll get there one day. Yeah, they'll probably I agree get there for for North America twenty six. Hmm. But for this World Cup, I don't think they're quite there yet. So the likes of Palestri and Dela yep. Cruz, who probably will start for Uruguay, I don't think sure. they're quite ready to lead the line and take this Uruguay team forward. And some of the players... would it would I'm, it I'm surprise you? Till... Hang on, would it surprise you that I agree with you? It would actually because. Because I'm saying that Uruguay, despite what I just said, mm. I still think they will end up going through in this group. Time will tell. Time will tell. Time will tell. But let's get through it. Uh, let's think, let's I, get through it. I think there is a real chance for a roughly to get through in this group. And so, that's where I'm heading. There's a big story potential in yes, this group. Yes, I agree with Whether you. Whether or not eventually will come on to. Exactly. But you're right. There is... Plenty of intrigue about this group. Who can beat who? Who's going to come away with the goals? But let's talk about Portugal, the and headline team in this group. Having said that, chances are that I'll probably be wrong, right? More I mean, than likely. But <laughs> I no problem in saying that. However, let's get into Portugal and let's look at this Portuguese side because I will do a spoiler. I do think that these guys get through. Yeah. I don't think you're going to be in the minority there. I will agree with you. I think they go through first. Interesting, in Russia, 2018, they went out in the round of 16 to Uruguay. Yes. So we have a bit of a a vengeance going on. There's also one going on between Uruguay and Ghana later on that we'll come on to. That's right. That's right. There's a lot of history in this group. There's a lot of history in this group. So, but Portugal, they qualified second in the group to Serbia. Yes. Had to go through the playoffs. They beat Turkey. And we all thought it was going to be a showdown, Portugal and Italy, yeah. for a spot. And it wasn't. It, it was wasn't. Portugal and North Macedonia. Yes, and two goals from Bruno Fernandes got them here That's right. to this point. Yep. So, what do you make of this Portuguese side? I like this side. I really do like this team, this Portuguese team. A lot of pushback on the manager, Fernando Santos. Why? Saying that... He's a legend. <laughs> he is. I'm he's seeing... a legend in Greece and he's a legend in Portugal. <laughs> I'm seeing so much pushback. For, for what he does with the team. But yeah, he's he, very pragmatic. He's but, very pragmatic and he's very conservative in his selections. But he's a conservative man by nature, right? Mm. But not only that, yes, he does understand that defence does win tournaments. But having said that, he's not a Catanaccio Italian-style manager either, right? No, he's not. He's not a... He's not a... I was going to say... Well, he's... He's not an Angelo... He's not a Conte. No. No, he's not a Conte. But... 
I do see where they're coming from, that there is so much attacking talent in this Portuguese team. If they were playing a bit further up the pitch, a bit more on the front foot, then they would be a real threat to this tournament. I can't see them winning this. Uh, I can't see them winning this World Cup. Can you? No, but I don't think he's as pragmatic as Southgate. No, he's not as pragmatic as Southgate. I take your point on that. And it's not as egregious as no. what Southgate does with the England team. Now, does this Portuguese side have more attacking power than the English side? I think you can argue the case. That's right. And I think that Santos actually allows this team a little bit more leeway than what Southgate does the other way. As a I would comparison. Say it's still not enough, though. No, it's not enough for everyone's liking because everyone likes to see attacking free-flowing football. And I'm one too, right? But, look, it's a mini-marathon, right? You've got seven games to win in this World Cup. So, Santos's MO would be get out of the group. Doesn't matter either in first and second. Then let's uh, worry about, you know, doing counter-punches on, you know, in each knockout game. Because 1-0 is enough. It, we know it's not great, but... World Cups are about drama. It's about, you know, it's about dramatic football. So this team is a tournament team. You said that he'll want to just get out of the group. Yep. By any means necessary, first or second. Yeah, I don't think it phases him. I'm going to pick you up on that, though, because surely Portugal needs to win this group to have any hope of going deep in the knockouts. Because because they play Brazil in the knockouts if they do? Yes. If they finish second? If they finish second, it's probably going to be Brazil that they come They've got to face them at some point. But if they win this group... Yeah. They won't play Brazil until Correct. the final. No, I agree. Uh, if they no, manage to go that far. Yeah, sure. Oh, I understand that. But mm. Santos would be the kind of coach that would want to just make sure they get out of the team, uh, get out of the group. He's got enough confidence in this team, right, to think we can stick it to anyone. He won't say it because he's a very modest man, right? And that's why, and because he's so humble, that's actually uh, one of the reasons why the Greeks loved him with the Greek national team and the clubs that he coached in Greece so he's a he's quite humble but confident he knows the talent that he's got in this team and he knows their capabilities I have no problems in saying that they'll finish first I think they will right but I don't think it'll phase him if they finish second it should though because they're going out to Brazil well it should there is so much to lose here if they don't win this group. Who knows? But imagine that. Port- Brazil-Portugal yeah. as a round of 16. If they do finish first in this group, then based off the last podcast, it'll be Serbia coming mm. out of that group as yep. their round of 16 opponents. A matchup that, yes, Brazil might be a headline match. Yeah, it would be. But Serbia is a tough test as well. Oh, so. No doubt. No doubt. It would be a gr- Look, either way, whoever Portugal, we assume, will get through, whoever Portugal faces in the round of 16... The other team is going to know about it, be it Brazil or Serbia, as we've said, that's for sure. Or Switzerland, if they manage well, to do it. Uh, well, let's just stick with who we've selected and we'll go with Brazil, <laughs> Serbia, not to confuse anyone. <laughs> but let us know your thoughts at the back peg on Instagram or at Twitter. Let's talk about this Portuguese lineup. Yep. And they have a new goalkeeper mm-hmm. in recent years. It is Diogo Costa playing for FC Porto. Yep. Good and keeper. Good keeper on the verge of yep. a move to massive European club no yep. disrespect to Porto yep. but he is on the, on his way to a big team and the backup keepers aren't too shabby either no Jose Sarr Rui Patricio yeah some great goalkeepers great there. goalkeeping Portugal they have struggled for keepers in, in years gone by but not the case at this tournament I want to talk about their defenders though yep because their defenders are class 
You may disagree with me. I'd say two a class. Two a class. Okay, that's fine. But their backup isn't bad either. You got Joel Cancelo, as you say. Ruben Diaz. Ruben Diaz, as you say. Fantastic defenders. Your man, Diego Dollett. I don't think he starts. Oh, I think he, he might play- go close, but he's been playing well. He he's has been, been, playing, he's been well. playing so well. He's been finally Diogo Dalo after showing years and years of promise has made that step. And up he's only twenty three. He is only twenty three. I think Santos will go with Cancelo at right back and Rafael Guerrero at left back. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, and, okay, that's that's fair. And if if you play Dalo, I think you've got to play him at right back and shift Cancelo across, which would be fine as well. Which would be fine, but I don't think he goes with that. Is yeah, my point. But if, if I think that, that actually they've managed to regenerate the, that defence without having to rely on the likes of Pepe and others, right? Very well. We haven't mentioned Danilo Pereira. No, we haven't, but there you go. Good defender. Yeah. But he's not the same level as Diaz Cancelo. No, but he's a he's handy. He is handy. He is handy. Let's not kid ourselves. No, of course not. But, so, you're, I can't convince you that the defence is strong. It's strong, the strongest in the group. Strongest in the group. Like, okay, I'm not going to argue with, a, with you, you that Portugal have the strongest defence in this group. There, there's absolutely no denying that. More exciting are their midfielders. Yeah. Which my, is my a crazy point side. Is though, with, with the Portuguese yeah. defence, I think my argument with the Portuguese defence is that as we progress through the tournament, they are going to come a little bit unstuck. Because England's defence is more likely to come unstuck than what Portugal is. Yes. Yes, but that's that, that's not the point I'm making. The Brazilian defence might struggle even more so than what the Portuguese defence would. No, I rate the Brazilian defence higher than the Portuguese. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. And if, if you're comparing the Portuguese defence to England, I, I think we're in trouble for the Portuguese because... The, it, no, it, that's what I'm saying, that the yeah. English defence will be more likely to come unstuck than what the Portuguese would. Yeah. England are lucky in a, to a degree, and I don't like bashing England, right? But oh, well, maybe well, we all do. We do like bashing right? But <laughs> England are lucky to a degree that they're in, in the half of the draw that they're in. Oh, yeah. Whilst, you know, you're looking at this. Now, imagine if England drew Uruguay as a... Oh, second pot team. They wouldn't be winning the group. Okay, so... Uruguay would be winning the know, group with England. Or Germany, for that matter. Mm. England are the weakest pot one team. Wow. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah. Oh, well, Qatar is, but yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. But yeah. Aside from Qatar, England are the weakest pot one team. Shall we go on to Portuguese midfield? Yeah, let's because talk about the Portuguese midfield. midfield is so skillful. It's so stacked. It's incredible. It It'll be a four-two-three-one. Yep, the way it lines up. Yep. Who's your two? Who do you think starts for Ooh, this Portuguese that team? That is a good question because there's so many options. Look, it takes. I think Santos will put someone with well two players that would have got the best football now in in the in the team aside from Ronaldo, right? Because Ronaldo is a different beast altogether. Yes, and we're going to come on to Cristiano because right. there's uh, there's a debate to be had. Oh, there is. Okay, cool. There is a debate to be had about That's, Cristiano. We'll, this we'll have the debate. Um, but Port, Ronaldo in a Portuguese a shirt is a different beast compared to club. It's and we've seen it before. All right, we'll come. We'll come to Cristiano. But later now that on. you've done, no, like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm interested to hear what you've got to say. Well, about I might have let the cat out the bag a little. That's bit. That's all right. That's cool. <laughs> I don't mind. Hey, listen, that's what we're here for. Uh, look, I think Nevers, yeah. Ruben Nevers, will be one. Mm. Now. I would be of the inclination. The trouble is now that now that the Portuguese have lost Jota, 
that's a big problem for me. That's the only issue that I have with it, really, right, with this Portuguese side. Because Honestly? It, 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 it's, sorry to cut you off there. I think it's actually going to have to force Silva to go into that role because they've got an option to account for Silva to be one of the three. Bernardo Silva has got a great football brain, mm. right? Incredible football brain. You can see it when he plays for City. He can play in any position in that, in the two or in the three, right? So Nevers will probably be the one that actually holds more and allows uh, Bernardo Silva to go a bit. But I would be of the inclination to play Silva and Nevers together and then look at my options going forward. What do you think? I think the way it'll pan out. I do like the idea of that midfield. You have Neves and Silva together as a two. Yeah. And then further up the pitch, you have the likes of Bruno and whoever else. Correct. Um, but I don't think it's going to pan out that way. The way that the way that Fernando Santos will line up for mine, I think he does stick William Carvalho into this team. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. As, an, yep. as an anchor. And as he could six. do that. He could do that, yeah. And then Carvalho and Neves is very... That is a good, yeah. It's good. Yeah. It, it is good. It's very much more on the defensive side of things, though. Yeah, but I then it but it enables Silva to stay free and and be able to push up into the three. And I do question whether Neves and Cavalio are what you should be picking against South Korea and Ghana. I think that you should be getting a more offensive team, a I more offensive midfield. Yeah, I think you'll actually he might put it out of formation as four two three one, but I think what you'll see is four one four one. Okay, yeah, fair enough. In those games, and then be, you've got the likes of Joao Mario and Vitinha as well for midfielders yeah absolutely two highly technical midfielders there Vitinha is one of the breakout stars for PSG this season yeah he has he's been. come on and really made a difference yep and for mine he's probably going to be their impact player yep I don't think he starts many games mm-hmm. but when he does come on what a player I remember was it the Euro the last Euros mm. they, they had the draw Paulinho yes. as their impact Correct. player yeah, that's came right. on yep. and he made a difference every single time he came off that bench and Vitinha is going to do the, do a similar role here. Interesting that uh, Polina, I don't think he gets near nearly enough minutes this tournament as he did the previous one, despite leveling up his club, perhaps. Yeah. Despite moving to a top five league at Fulham. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Should we? And I want to talk about Diogo yeah. Jota. Yeah, sure. You mentioned that Bernardo Silva perhaps moves into midfield yeah. a bit. For mine, I think it's just a straight swap. You bring in Rafael Liao, you play him off the left. I think Joe Felix uh, will be the replacement there for Diogo Jota. I think he comes into the side. I think he should start. I think he will. I think he should start up front. Yeah. Well, as a striker mm. instead of Ronaldo. Are we having this debate now? Let's have this debate right now. Okay, hang on. Before we do that, mm. who's your player to watch for Portugal aside from Ronaldo? Because, as I mentioned, Jota's missing and Liao has come in he automatically for mine goes into this player to watch category yeah I agree because That's fair. he did wonderful things for Milan last mm. season mm-hmm. and he's ready to make the step up like I said about Vinny Jr in the previous podcast about Brazil yep Rafael Leal's in the same category for mine that okay. he's on the verge of making that real step up to an elite elite footballer That's good call That's good call And I think the way this World Cup might pan out I think he's off to PSG before too long to replace Neymar That's interesting That's interesting what do you make of Joe Felix? Because I think this is a big World Cup for Joe Felix. And he's, and the fact that he's been at Atletico, you know, the next rising star of Portuguese football. But you know, he's been misfiring at Atletico, and that's down to the way that the team plays. I was going to say, I think that's more so to do with the actual way that Simeone plays football at Atletico rather than his, uh, his talents. 
I completely agree on that. But he hasn't really progressed much since moving to Atletico Madrid, and it's been a few years now. I think the Spanish league, though, is a hard league. It's harder than what it would be in Portugal for him, and I think that he would be... And maybe this is where we see the platform that we see the improvement in the player. But I know that you've got some other thoughts on Joao Felix that you want to have a debate on with regards to Ronaldo, and I don't understand this, but let's go. (laughs) Let's go. Let's dive into it. Cristiano Ronaldo, that is the massive talking point for this team, for this group. He probably will start. But I think Portugal will be a better team if Cristiano didn't start. You are kidding. Because the guy is so self-centered. No, He's sorry. only concerned not, about no. his personal records. We are, you are kidding. You see, a di- okay, yes, he is concerned about his personal records. But let me tell you this. In this side, for his nation, I have not seen uh, Ronaldo in a Portuguese shirt carry on the way that he does for a club See, but I think there's a different factor at play here because he's going to end up using this World Cup to get a move no, in January. No, it's immaterial to him. If he wanted to buy his own contract out, he could. He wants. He wants to be. A, he wants to be there for whatever reason. I no, don't he think does, he should be there. He doesn't want to be at Manchester United. No, I think no. No, he doesn't. No, no. I think he actually wants to be there, but he knows that he's not wanted there. There's a difference. No, Cristiano wanted to go in the summer. Window. He wanted to go because Ten Hag. He didn't give anything, anybody a chance. It was a, no, well, hey, mind you, he, he, didn't he wasn't up. the only one that didn't give Ten Hag a chance. Dean Henderson, did, and he ended up at Nottingham Forest, right? Yeah. We're talking about a goalkeeper here. Okay, so no disrespect to the goalkeepers, I love them. But you're saying that uh, Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, is a problem for Portugal. I don't see that at all. In fact, these guys actually rally around him, and they put on a, a, you know, they put on another persona around him. He is a different player for Portugal than what he is for any club side that he's played, even in his better days at Real Madrid. Okay, because he was at the end of his tenure at Real Madrid. Ends up going to to Juventus after Euro 2016, thereabouts, right? Portugal don't win that if they don't, uh, if it's not for Ronaldo, even though he was playing, he comes off injured in the final. You say... They don't win that tournament without Ronaldo. And no. there's the one who scores a goal that wins in the tournament. No, but it's the impact that he has on the team off the field. You could see that he was in the tech. He was a coaching more so than what Santos was, for goodness sake. And you're telling me that so they're not going to So let him be a coach then. He will be. At let him be a coach. For Portugal. But in the future, not now. But he is key to their chances. And I think that Ronaldo makes Portugal a better side. I'm going to ask you. Not because of... Uh, only because of his impact on the other players off the pitch, right? He's a different beast when it comes to Portugal. I'm not saying don't take him. No, no, I know what you're saying. You're saying that he shouldn't... Play, but you're saying that he... They should bench him. I think they should bench him. There's no way they're going to bench him. I don't think they will bench him, but I think they should bench him. Why? Because they're a better... They can be a better team without Cristiano. I don't think... I don't For think mine, they can be. Going forward... Yeah. You can argue with me about Bernardo Silva and Bruno Fernandes, but yeah. they are Portuguese's two best players coming into the tournament, not Cristiano Ronaldo. No. You know, Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't make Portuguese's top three best players, top four best players even. Oh, wow. What, currently? Currently. Yeah, right yeah, now. Okay, that's right fair. now. That's fair, but I'll tell you what he does. So why do you build the team around a guy who is living off his past glories, who's not good <laughs> enough anymore... <laughs> <laughs> who's not good enough anymore to lead the line, who shouldn't be starting for Portugal, 
This team needs to move on from Cristiano Ronaldo. He's not good enough anymore. He's only going to use this tournament to get a move in January away from Manchester United. Every single time he's out on that pitch and the ball doesn't come to him, he's going to throw his hands up and say, why didn't you pass to me? I could have scored there. Give me the ball. And that is not healthy for a team spirit, team morale. I'm sitting here in disbelief at what you just said. (laughs) (laughs) I am sitting here in disbelief. Look, part of what you say has some merit, but not all of it. In fact, not even most of it, right? This side is built around Ronaldo to a degree, but not only Ronaldo. It's similar to Argentina in a way where we're saying, okay, sides in the past have been built around Messi, but Argentina is not built around Messi. This side is not built around Ronaldo, and you're underestimating Santos as a coach. Now, here, what Ronaldo does give, what he gave for Manchester United last season, when they were at an absolute debacle... He's a different player. Are goals. No, hang on. He gives them goals. He gives them goals. In a group like this, you need to... One chance is all it takes. One. The thing is, Ronaldo doesn't need just one chance anymore. No, well, yeah, he does because he's clinical. He's not. He's He's not. This season, he's far off the pace. Cristiano's trademark move, right, is to do a little shoulder step, get a a yard of space, and take a first-time shot into a corner. Hmm. He doesn't have that in his locker anymore. He doesn't have that yard of pace anymore. He's lost it completely. I think that we that that comes back in the World Cup. To be honest, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a Ronaldo fan, not at all. But how does, how does I that... actually think that because international football is a little bit different, right? The pace is a little bit slower than what it is in the Premier League, right? Ronaldo doesn't have a problem scoring goals in Europe when he came back there uh, not so long ago against Sheriff. Against Sheriff. Against yes, but you can only play against whoever the manager is going to put you to play against. No, right? but he pl- he played now, against Newcastle and I... he stunk the place out. Yeah, but Newcastle have got the best defence in the Premier League. Yeah, but he's up against some good defences here at this World Cup. Yeah, but the pace is slower, and I think that actually this side side here and this group actually, I think, suits him. Now, if things don't work out, let me tell you this, though. If things don't work out after the first game, Santos won't hesitate to make a change. But that would be at the detriment of the Portuguese team morale. Ronaldo is their spiritual leader, right? He is their spiritual leader. These guys look up to him. Well, let him be a mascot on the sideline then. Give him a big well, suit he might to put be, on. But look, okay. Do you, all right. Well, let's. Where do we go from here as far as this is concerned? Because I actually think that Portugal get out of this group. Like I said earlier, um, which would be in stark contrast to what you're suggesting right now. I think they get out of the group. Oh, okay. So they're good enough to get out of the group. They are good enough to get out so of the group. So who scores the goals? I think there's enough goals in this midfield. Oh, so the, mid- so the striker's not going to score any goals, but the midfield's no, just going to score them all. I'm not saying Cristiano's not going to score any goals. Right. Right, because some... I think he scores goals against Ghana and South Korea. Okay. Right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what you need. Well, okay, and against Uruguay, it'd be handy too. He's got his purpose. He can score some goals. But I think this Portuguese side, if they want to go and actually do something at this tournament beyond getting out of the group... Mm-hmm. You can't be playing Cristiano against the better teams. Okay. Well, time will tell. So you you think Ronaldo serves a purpose for the team, but may be a bit of a passenger. I can't believe I'm saying this. Can be a bit of a passenger in the knockout phase. Yes, because when you get through to the knockout phase, we're going to save a lot of our knockout chat for later on. But the way we're sort of shaping this knockout tree out is that they'll play Serbia, Spain, and then perhaps a, a, a... 
England later on hmm. in the semi-finals if they get yep, that far. Correct. I think against those teams, the defense is getting better and better, and Cristiano's lack of pace, his inability to find that little bit of uh, time to launch that first-time shot that he's renowned for. I don't think he gets that. So play him against Ghana, play him against South Korea. But once the big teams start rolling in, drop Cristiano Ronaldo because you'll be a better side without him. Who goes on up front? Joao Felix can okay. go up front. Okay. You can put Liao up front Look, as well. I, I, um, I take, there is merit in what you've said because of the fact that he missed preseason, right? And obviously that, you know, given the personal, the family difficulties that, that they had. So I take your point that he is underdone. It's apparent. Right, you can see it in the matches, and that's where he's lost the yard of pace and what have you. That aside, his work ethic off the field, from what we've seen, and to keep the physique that he has, and his you know his the ability to play at the level that he has for so many years means that he obviously does the right things in training. Right now, his attitude can be questioned. We've seen a recent example of that. Mind you, that was insulting if you're taking it from my point of view. Right, I think that you know Ten Hag could have put it on a young guy for that purpose instead of going to a 38-year-old with two minutes left when you're pumping Tottenham Hotspur. This different is a story. Different, different story, and I'm on the complete other side of that. I think now, it's completely disrespectful to the manager. Yeah, to a degree, but it's disrespectful to him. Like, Den Haag didn't do himself any favours by going, hey, Cristiano, come on for two minutes, please. The, he the, should have read the room a bit better. The report is that he wanted to send him on with 10 minutes to go, and he still said no. Ah, oh, okay, well then that's a different kettle of fish. Right, at least with twenty, I think you should have given him twenty, and that's it. And if you had given him twenty, this whole situation would have not existed. Now, is he pining for a move? We know he was pining for a move because of the fact that he's interested in his own personal records. But I maintain that this Cristiano Ronaldo, when he puts on a Portugal shirt, is a different player and is a different persona. Does it make it right? I don't know, but it's been pretty successful given the recent successes that they've had in in recent years with Nations League and and um, uh, the Euro in 2016. And they've qualified again for the Nations League again next year, the Final Four. So the Portuguese record isn't that bad. The Portuguese record is not that bad, but for mine, if it is Cristiano Ronaldo starting up front, they're not going to get anywhere past the early stages of this tournament. Tom, I think it, it could yeah. be a round of 16 exit. Perhaps. If it goes wrong. Depends who they play. Time will tell. Should we move on? Yeah, we should move on. We should move on. We'll see how it pans out. I can't wait for Cristiano to score hat tricks against Ghana and South Korea, and then <laughs> and, and and Manchester United try and sell him for a higher price. But let's see how that happens. <laughs> and then we're stuck with him. That's for right. Six months the petulant child. Yeah, oh, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> you love him. You love him. Should we talk about Uruguay? Let's do it. The team that comes into this group as second favourites to take it out, thirteenth in the world. A lot of their players. Yes, they did so well in Russia to get to the quarterfinals, going out to eventual winners in France, of course. Mm. But the team has sort of dropped off a little bit since then. The players that were on in the latter stages of their career, the likes of Luis Suarez, Diego Godin, uh, Edison Cavani, they're not at the same level that they were four years ago. And the youngsters coming through, yes, they are promising, but they're not ready to make that step up to deliver the same result this time around. Yeah, look... I'm excited by Valverde and Bentenko. Now, Darwin Nunes is there. So there are a lot of uh, familiar players there. They're an interesting side, but you're right. I think they're just slightly... I don't think this is the tournament for them. I think that the next one might be more so up their alley. I do agree on that. and I think they're going to be slightly underdone. 
will come onto this group, the rest of the other two teams in this group. But I think the the current situation for the Uruguay national team it does leave the door ajar for South Korea and Ghana to perhaps come up with a massive story yeah. and get through to the knockouts. For mine, oh, those two teams as well might be a little bit underdone, and I think whoever it is that comes through second in this group does go home. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be Brazil in the round yep. of 16. I agree with that. See you later. Yep, I agree. Fundamentally, I agree with you there. But it would be tasty if it was Brazil-Uruguay. Oh, it would be. It oh, absolutely would be. Great. What a and game then you it. wouldn't be able to pick who... It would make it difficult. It would be. And for mine, the only thing that keeps Uruguay as the favourites for second spot in my eyes is the form of uh, Federico Valverde at Real Madrid. Yeah. What a season he's having. He's up there with some of the best players in Europe this season. Great player. He's the one who has to carry this Uruguay team. Yeah, he does, and he's my he's my player to look out for. Same same on this side yeah. of the desk. And if he has a bit of an off tournament, they're going home early in the groups. Yeah. If he if he has a bad tournament, they're going home. Yes, I agree with you there. But I think his level his level his performances are good enough to get him to get him on the score sheet in the assists and get Uruguay up and out of this group. No, I agree. I agree. Uh, look, you you won't find a contrarian opinion on this side. As much as I'd like to argue with you, but I think that uh, you're right there with regard to Valverde. And look, I think Bentancur as well is a key player for them, but definitely Valverde is their integral player. I do like Jimenez as well, the centre-half mm. at Atletico Madrid. Mm-hmm. Good defender. Yeah, he is. Perhaps the successor to Uruguayan centre-halves of years gone by. Yes. But, yeah... Um, the issue for mine here is the wingers, Palestri and yeah. Nic- Nicolas de la Cruz. They're not quite up to standard for mine. So I don't know about Cavani. We've you know we haven't mentioned Cavani here. Vincent Cavani would be his last World Cup tournament along with Luis Suarez. I think that I agree with you with regard to Palestri and de la Cruz. Uh, look, are they good enough to get out of the group? Yes, but they might not. It, that's why I call this the group of death because. Again, anyone in this four can beat the other team. You wouldn't be surprised if Ghana beat Portugal, for instance. No, that can happen. I don't think it will, but that no, can happen. No, neither do I, but that could happen. right? Um, likewise, South Korea, who we'll cover off next. right? So, you know, it's this group, this group is wide open. It it's is. an open World Cup, and this is probably the most open group, and uh, only because it wouldn't shock us if... As much as I like Ronaldo in Portugal, it wouldn't shock us if something they imploded, right? Ronaldo, the architect of Portugal's demise. <laughs> unlike, look, <laughs> unlikely. Joking, it's joking. clever. No, no, no. It's, it's good, but it's unlikely. But it wouldn't surprise you if South Korea and Ghana actually got through. I mean, that would be a turn up for the books. But pff, hey, you good enough? You get through. The thing is with Uruguay. Look at their recent form. Yeah, they've. It's patchy. It's patchy, but. Generally, it's pretty good. That, that uh, yeah, matchup against Iran is one sort of grey cloud on a, a very good 2022. A nil draw with Uruguay, uh, with the United States, rather. Mm. Um, but beating Canada, beating you know, Panama, beating yeah. Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. And they've had a good set of qualifying as well. Finishing 30 South American qualifying is nothing to sniff at whatsoever. Not at all. No. But I agree a, lot with of, a lot of these games happened. A year ago, yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah, so yeah, even from two years ago, this Uruguay team has taken a bit of a back step for mine. I, I think they are in transition, right? And now, who knows how it, um, 
how it plays out. But uh, look, it wouldn't surprise you if they would go further than the than you know than the round of sixteen. Who knows? It, 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 this group is really wide open. It really is. It is. Let's move on to South Korea. Russia 2018, group stage exit, despite the miracle of Kazan, as has been dubbed, mm. beating Germany, but still, unfortunately for them, finishing third in the group, going home. Yeah. A good showing in qualifying as well, finishing second yep. behind Iran, ahead of the UAE. They're a tough team. They are a tough team. They are, they're, you know, they're technically proficient like the Japanese. Australia struggles with them as we struggle against Japan. So they're technically proficient. Got a great coach in Paolo Bento, the Portuguese influence Portuguese. there. It's, so, it's all over this group. The, yes. The, the plenty of storylines on paper coming into this group. You've got yeah. Portuguese coach at Korea. You've got Uruguay, Portugal yeah. history, Uruguay, Ghana as well, which we'll come on to. But yeah. it, it's, it's a very... It's a group with a lot of intrigue. Yeah, no, very much so. And like we said, you wouldn't be surprised if, they, if the Koreans did the number on... Portugal or Uruguay and Ghana for that matter so it's look we know their quality who's their player to watch out for it's got to be Son it has to be it has to be Hillman Son yeah the guy's picked up a bit of an injury uh, recently but I think you'll be fine though he should like, be it's fine. a mat, it's a race against the clock but hopefully he can wear one of those uh, masks masks that'll uh, protect his um, eye socket Batman Correct. Batman at this World Cup. Yep. Son, a guy who hasn't really started the season that well. Yes, he scored a hat-trick against Leicester in the league, but apart from that, he hasn't scored this season. No, that's right. And is it the case, do you think, he's been saving himself for this tournament? Or is it just the influence of Antonio Conte's Spurs that has limited the goal-scoring chances? Oh, that's a tough one. Okay, in Son's case, that's tough. Because, yeah, I... It, and I'm not questioning his professionalism here by any means, but, geez, that's a good point. That is a good point. But he's got himself injured as well now. He has. Unfortunately. Mm. Hopefully, like we said, hopefully he's um, right in time. Because, quite frankly, if he's not right, they're going. I think this group needs Son to be fit. I think so. I think, Because that's where... Because he is that kind of player. He could actually be the player of the group, Right. He's that good. Um, Tell you what, if you put yeah. Hillman's son up front for Portugal, they can win a tournament. <laughs> <laughs> Replace Ronaldo with Son Aldo. <laughs> well, there you go. Hey, look, it could work. Yeah, look, it's they're a tough team. They're a tough team, and they're they're no easy beats. But I think that I think that it will be. It'll come down to if Son is fit. If he's fit, Korea have got a hell of a shout in this group. If he's not fit, then it's a problem. Because if you look at the rest of this Korean team, you've got Hwang Hee Chan at Wolves, who doesn't yep. really score any goals, doesn't no. play too often either. Well, no one scores goals at Wolves. Fair point. Well made. Um, you've also got Kim Min Jae, who started well life yep. at Napoli after doing well in Turkey previously. Yeah, he's a good player. He's a good player. Good player. But for mine, that's pretty much where... The, the best of this Korean team ends. You've yep. got some other interesting players. You've got Woo Young Jung, who plays in Qatar. Perhaps mm. there's a bit of familiarity there for yeah. whatever that's worth. Yeah. But there's not a whole lot else for me it, in this it, Korean it's side. It's an opportunity for these guys to also to put themselves on the shop front as well, which we've covered off in previous podcasts, right? There's no doubt that the Koreans have quality, similar to the Japanese, like we've said earlier. But 
Yeah, it, it, it really comes down to how the key players that you've outlined there, how they perform. I think if you swap South Korea and Japan yep. in these groups, yep. Japan get through. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. Japan would get through. South, I think that's South a fair Korea shout. might that, struggle. That's a fair shout. Both of them were pot three teams. If the draw goes out the other way, I think we do see another AFC side make it through to the knockouts. Yep. For me, I've got a run coming out of Group B. You yep. think otherwise, no, but that's right. For mine, South Korea do, despite the fact that I don't rate them as highly as Japan, the familiarity of playing in the Middle East that a lot of these teams don't. We saw how some of the South American sides struggle playing Qatar in the Intercontinental playoffs. Perhaps we're going to see something similar with Uruguay mm. at this tournament and the familiarity that South Korea will have, particularly with one of their players playing in Qatar. Yeah, Maybe that will tend itself to have a bit of an upset coming out of this group. Yeah, look, I, I hope we're not doing them a disservice by just saying, look, it's all on Sunny. But look, they'll, they'll be competitive. They'll compete. Be under no illusions that this... That's why I think this is the group of death because you've got a team like South Korea that is technically very good, and they won't, uh, you know, they won't take a backward step. The only thing is that they might fear the opposition, and hopefully they don't, right? Um, you know, it's the Uruguayans have got some flair. The Portuguese have got class all over the field. I think Portugal are the strongest team in this group. As for the, you know, Uruguay are probably favourites to take out the second place. I think that's fair to say. But I actually don't have them getting out of the group. Ooh. And I think that the next team, Ghana, is maybe a team that might do the surprise. Because, you know, they've got a history of doing it. So, but chances are, and more than likely, I am wrong. We'll see how it pans out. Perhaps, yep. perhaps you'll be right after all. Oh, uh, look, like you know, like we had indicated earlier, we thought that there would be some surprises in, in this World Cup, and I think I've just got a feeling about Ghana, and there may be one there. But then again, we could all be surprised, and Ghana could go home with nil point. Joining us on the Back Peg Podcast Destination Doha series for our Group H preview is Kofi Danning, who, for those that don't know uh, or are unaware that uh, Kofi was born in Ghana, but had the honour of and pleasure of uh, uh, representing the Socceroos. So, Kofi, welcome to the Back Peg, and thank you for joining our Destination Doha series. No worries. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. So, Kofi, just uh, some background for those that listeners that may not be aware there are some of us that are new to the football and some of us that have been around for a while uh, like yourself you you know I remember you playing at Sydney FC as well in the A-League just give us a, a bit of background for your journey from Ghana to Australia and how your family came to uh, to Australia and then how you became involved with Australian football uh, well as you said previously um, I was born in Ghana and for most people that's in uh, that don't know that's in West Africa always loved football as a young age I remember watching um, the Brazil 98 squad and seeing this um, Brazilian Ronaldo I was thinking who, who is this boy and uh, I think that's what inspired me to take up soccer and um, in Ghana in those days back then didn't have so much so just used to um, you know I guess create our own balls and uh, go out in the back backyard and make make whatever we saw on TV and try to relive it in, um, in real life so that's probably what drew me to football in general. But um, my mum came to Australia in 1995 in search for a better life for myself and um, other members of my family. And then um, in 1997 or 98, I came over with my with my sister, and um, you know it was a big culture shock because uh, we didn't see all these things. So, like, I mean, 
McDonald's was like a big eye opener. I'm thinking, what what the hell is fast food? But um, <laughs> yeah, you know, that was it was just a different experience. And um, for myself also, I didn't speak English at the time, so had to adjust to you know learning English um, and becoming fluent into that. Yeah, just um, like I said, soccer was always my passion, and then. Instead of um, going to other places in Australia, we ch- chose to come to Canberra. So in Canberra here, it's quite freezing, and um, adjusting to that was a bit of a, a shock as well. So, um, and um, my giant journey just started with trying to find a local team. First, I just started playing with my um, schools, and then um, eventually I found a team. I think my first junior club was Majura, and um, yeah, um, I remember going to the first session, and all I had was on like um, normal clothes with um, shoes on. And then um, at that time, I wasn't the biggest team player. I liked to dribble. I thought you know, I was Messi or Ronaldo. <laughs> so when the ball came to me, I was sure I'm sure everyone my skills. But, you know, I obviously learned um, as I was growing to involve my teammates and adapt that way. So, yeah, that's the first journey. And then after that, we moved to a different location, Red Hill. And then I started playing for um, Canberra, Croatia. I um, built a big bond with a... Um, a lot of young players there and um, I think that's where my footballing really took off because you know I started building some friendships and um, started to develop and get older and um, have more of an interest in football yeah so that's most most of my journey as a youth footballer playing for Canberra Croatia and then um, I think I was 15 I got an opportunity to trial at the AIS and at that time that was the football factory of Australia you know you know some big talent coming um, out of the AIS you've got some people like um, Bresciano and Viduca and you know the past legends of the game that you know we want Australia to produce again because you know those were the golden days right and um would love for that to happen again right so um yeah I got an opportunity to go AIS and um I think that's when I really learned more about football in terms of the structure and how it's played and the tactics and teamwork and you know building goals to achieve individual goals and team goals as well and through that opportunity i got a chance to represent the youth australia squad so uh you, what's your current involvement in football in canberra at the moment oh yeah so i've just been playing in the local competition so i've been here since 2017 i think 2016 2017 because um my daughter was born in 2017 so yeah been here for a while since then and um yeah got drawn back to my um, Canberra FC, Canberra Croatia. Um, when I returned back to Canberra, played a few years for them, and now I'm currently playing with the Kuma Tigers. So I've bounced around different clubs um, in Canberra, but I'm still playing at the um, first grade MPL one um, level here. So still a player, but um, I don't know how much longer that'll last. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> you mentioned that coming through the AIS, how important it was for you, and the similar, uh, well, the other players that the AIS has produced down the years, and this is something that. Australia sort of moved away from having a dedicated facility in the nation's capital. Do you see that as a, a step backwards? Would you like to see it return, the AOS? I would, but I think it's hard when um, the support's not there. So at the moment, I think there's a lot of different things happening in football in Australia. And it's great to see that there's young talent getting an opportunity within their city to represent, I guess, like a Melbourne Victory or a Sydney FC all the way through from a young age to... Um, a professional level and that's really great but then there's the cracks of the players that don't make it and I feel like that's you know at grassroots that's what we can improve on because in other countries there's second second tiers third tiers fourth tiers and those are the players they still get opportunity to place elsewhere even though the level might not be so high 
it's just given more kids the opportunity or, or more players the opportunity, right? So I think that's where we're rebuilding. Like, there's been a lot of talks about um, second division in Australia and, you know, that's more so state league levels and local levels, right? So if we can build that a second division and then we go from second division, we build those ranks within the grassroots, we'll really start to see an influx of talent and opportunity and the game grow. Because I feel like in terms of talent, Australia can produce some of the best young players. But in terms of opportunity within our country, there's only so many limited spots at a high level. You know what I mean? So determination and hunger and dedication to the sport, you can have that, but also you need some luck and opportunity as well. And I was fortunate to have that. And I'm very thankful and grateful for um, those clubs, Sydney FC, Brisbane Royal, giving me the opportunity to play for them and picking me because I know as a young player, that's all you want is the opportunity to show your talent and to be given a chance. And so do you see the availability of player pathways for young kids to get into the A-League, get into the national systems as the main drawback for youth development in Australia? Is it the case that, is that the main reason as to why some of these young players are not getting through? Because we have so many kids playing football around the country. It's heavily touted that uh, football is the number one sport played by youngsters in Australia, but we're not getting the same sort of support and we're not allowing them to blossom into first team professional footballers in the same way that you see other sports in this country run. Is it purely based on player pathways and availability at top-level clubs in Australia? I believe so. I believe so. I think it is hard when there's only, I wouldn't say one system in place, but it feels like there is because everyone's trying to go into that one pool. I feel like if there were different pools that we could create, which is the FFA Cup now, it's obviously created so many opportunities, So, which means more eyes are watching all these players that haven't had the opportunities to go through the, um, those youth systems it's like um, you know like I said your Sydney FCs and Melbourne victories and they get spotted at an older age but obviously they can see that they've developed their skills to a certain level so all I'm all I'm saying is that it may not have to be necessary at the A-League level but if you have um, something like the FFA Cup and you have other things off that those umbrellas and clubs building relationships with each other through those competitions I feel like that's how the game's going to grow. Because to me, I would really love to see a youth FFA Cup. I mean, how, how great would that be? Like in, in Europe, to have all that for youth, F, um, youth you know, championships and youth club levels and youth um, international tournaments. And, you know, necessarily you don't need to officially represent your country, but your club can give you the opportunity to be seen and you get to see how football is played with a bunch of different um, talents from all around the world. So I feel like just having options for everyone is probably the path that we should be aiming for in the future because that will produce the talent. Like I said, if you're determined and you're willing to put in the work, um, you'll get an opportunity. And um, it doesn't matter what level you're at. We've seen amazing football stories of players, you know, being in a situation where, you know, then, you know, it's a hard, hard situation to be in. And then all of a sudden their life's changing. Um, you know, everyone in the world knows who they are and they're scoring goals week in, week out and playing for the biggest club in the world. So, I mean, it can happen to anyone. Like, similar to that Newcastle kid, I'm right. I mean, Central Coast kid. Yeah. I think he's Cole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Cole. Newcastle United, I mean. It's like it's like the movie goal, right? Yeah, that's why yeah. they're they nicknaming him um, Santiago. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. He's good if, if you watch the uh, A-League All Access, they call him Santiago. Uh, some of his uh, teammates at Central Coast. So, that's... Uh, 
Uh, it's really funny that you mentioned that, but we we should get you back on uh, in the future uh, to discuss this again, Kofi, because that is a really good point that you've raised with regards to that and exposure to uh, you know uh, elite football at any level, and especially a cup style competition in youth would I can see would be great for the sport. So no, we'll, we'll have to get you back on uh, to discuss that. Uh, we'll get you to put your Ghana hat on though. So we go back to the uh, land of your, the uh, land of your birthplace and look at this current Ghana setup and what you make of their chances in this upcoming World Cup in Qatar 2022. How do you think the Ghanaians will go? I've got Group H. Uh, we've been discussing with Nathan earlier. I've got Group H as the group of death because that the, the teams are so close to one another. If there is a group of death in this World Cup, this is the one. What do you think of that? I think that's a pretty good call. And I, I, I think, yeah, it probably is the group of death. For me, I, obviously, I think Portugal's probably got the most experience. And um, that necessarily doesn't mean anything in the World Cup because competition of chances and missed opportunities and taking opportunities. So if you take opportunities, most of the time you um, progress. If you don't, you... Um, don't progress so yeah I feel like Ghana's gonna possibly have a hard time but in terms of the talent they have they have it there right like in terms of the talent I know they're both there are you are you brothers I don't know them personally but I remember them being at my um under 20s world cup in Egypt and I think they made it to the finals against Brazil I'm I think they won that one to be honest if I recall okay. yeah I think Ghana won that one. anyway so I think those two young guys they they got a lot of experience and I feel like they're probably the leaders for this um, World Cup coming out and um, Ghana just has to play to their confidence I feel so I feel like if they if they play to their confidence they'll, they might get a win against South Korea and they might shock Uruguay that's their best to me that's their best chances I don't I don't know about Portugal because you know that man Cristiano <laughs> yeah he's a star player yeah, isn't he Nathan yeah, he's a, um, a massive reputation, massive reputation indeed, and it might it's it is going to be his last World Cup. So interesting to see what sort of performances he does for Portugal. Whether uh, it's a bit better than what his club form has shown in recent months. But Kofi, I do want to ask you about some of these new Ghanaian players to the setup, ones that have Ghanaian heritage but not necessarily uh, born and raised in Ghana. The likes of Tarek Lamptey, Inyaki Williams as well. Two players that with as I mentioned, Ghanaian heritage, but have been drafted into this setup. Is that something that you would support? If, for example, you got the call to go and play for Ghana, if uh, it wasn't necessarily working out for you in the Australian setup, you'd definitely go and play for them? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Because all, all us um, players just want to experience their um, opportunity, right? And obviously, I love Australia, and I'm, I'm so grateful for our country and how um, great it is and the opportunities it gives us and the chances I've had in Australia to play football, I wouldn't have had those chances if um, I didn't come here and um, dedicate myself to the craft, right? So, um, you know, if I did get an opportunity to go to, to play for Ghana, it would purely be because I didn't have that chance to play for Australia and I'd want to experience the international play. And for those two players that necessary, I'm... Um, born in Ghana, I'm sure they'll welcome them with open arms because, because I think it's been done with one of the Boateng brothers in the past, I think Kevin Prince. He That's was right, part yeah. of the Ghana team, but he was gen- um, born in Germany, I think. That's right. Yeah, and so he, he had to like, integrate into the Ghanaian squad, but um, I don't think there was an issue there at all. But um, I think um, in terms of talent and um, 
if you um, can help the team, um, none of that matters because I think even within the um, Australian or the A-League now, there's certain players playing A-League that have had a chance to represent their heritage as well. So, um, And the soccer is, is a hard team to break into because now that you've seen the pull of um, talent just explode in different parts of the world and within Australia as well. So um, there's competition everywhere. So I think as a, as a career move, every player wants to... Um, represent their country in the World Cup and if it's necessary not the, the country you're living in if it's any opportunity to um, play in it and get the chance to experience it um, I think most players will take it and definitely I will take it as well I had it as one of my goals but unfortunately that didn't happen but it's still I'm still happy with um, everything I did in my career and I'd like to hear your thoughts on the sort of pushback I've seen in some circles surrounding these players that are coming to play for Ghana not necessarily that it's a second choice, but because there is money associated with FIFA giving grants to clubs based on where the players are playing, taking away some opportunities from some local-based Ghanaian players, that's that's given a little bit of a pushback that these clubs in Ghana need the money more than some clubs in Europe. What are your thoughts on that situation? I feel like it's hard because, I mean, in in a way, the national team just want the best for their nation. So in terms of from the national team side, they're trying to put the best squad they can to represent the country. But then again, there's the other side, the political side, right? There's players that are very talented, probably more talented, that aren't getting selected. And I think that's a difficult situation to be in. But um, I feel like that's maybe something within the players, I guess, um, cohort or whatever you want to call it within their team, something may, maybe they could discuss because I think previously the Ghanaians had issues with the way they were um, distributing payment within the World Cup. I think at one time they were going to protest the last World Cup. They were going to protest um, because the national team um, wasn't um, um, reimbursing them the way they felt that they should be. So, um, and I think that's a lot to do with the European players because obviously they're not in Ghana things are a bit different in Europe than they are in Ghana and they are big clubs as well so I feel like if those players with the influence could come up with a plan I think they'll get they'll get the majority of the squad that they'd like to have represent the country and usually um, the player association is the one that dictates what's going to happen in the future because without the players the game's not going to happen right so um, I think like worst case scenario it's usually up to um players and all the leaders of the squad to dictate what's going to happen. Who would have thought that politics in football would play such a role, eh? It's, okay. <laughs> it's everywhere. It's everywhere, it's everywhere. So in your reckoning, Kofi, who do you think will be the standout as far as the Ghanaians are concerned? Like who's a player that we should be keeping an eye out whilst watching these uh, group page games? Like I said, the both the IU brothers, yep. they have the most experience in terms of the level that they play out. I think Andre Ayu, he's the midfielder and um, in terms of creating and opportunities and things happening, if he's on his top top game, Ghana do have a chance. And his his um other his brother as well, if he's finishing, Ghana have a chance as well. So I think I feel like those two, um, if they perform to the level that they can um, they, I guess, you know, they can lead the way because um, they've had success before, like I said, yeah. at the youth level, they've played Brazil and they showed what they can do. So I don't see why they can't, they can't do it. Um, yeah, they're very influential. There's no doubt about that at all. You know, they're, they're the most influential players in, in the Ghana setup. So, yeah, we would expect them to uh, be the standouts. 
we'll get you to, to give us what your predictions are for Ghana in this group as we go through game by game. So Ghana have Portugal first up. How do you see that one playing out? See, my <laughs> my Ghanaian pride is telling me that <laughs> we'll, we'll jag a 1-0 win. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's tough. It's really tough. Look, my my prediction is that I'm hoping for a draw. Okay. Like, worst case, I'm hoping for a draw. So if that's one all or nil all, whatever we can do to um, stop Ronaldo scoring, because I think that'll be the tactic. Just, you know, let don't let Cristiano get opportunities. But, uh, you know, it's it's really hard. It's really hard to um, stop man, that man being who he is and having the experience that he has, right? So um, I, I feel like the best thing we'll get there is a draw. So that's just... Dance, I'll go with. There you go. And second up for Ghana is the South Korea game. You mentioned that that might be one that they can pick up three points in. Yes, definitely, definitely. Because um, in terms of talent, they're probably um on the same same level, but it's more so who's going to take the most, um, who's going to finish their chances, and who's going to create the most chances as well. So I feel like um, if Ghana's most of the time they react off positivity so you know they're usually going going to the game with a positive mentality and um they um if that's if that same energy is there throughout the game i feel like they have a chance and lots of fitness doubts over son hyun min for the south koreans does that swing your opinion on how this game's going to play out whether he indeed takes the pitch definitely because son's a great player and um he's he's someone that can change the game in in a moment so um, to have someone that's not there available to do that, like previously, like Park did for them, um, it's a, it's a big plus for Ghana. So, um, for my Ghanaian bride, I'd like um, I liked it to say um, the same situation. So, um, Ghana can win that game. And then in the final group game for Ghana, could be the payback for the 2010 World Cup against Uruguay. So, yes, the, yes. the grudge match there to end the group. Ghana, how do yeah. how do you see Ghana uh, taking on uh, Uruguay, and uh, what do you make of uh, Ghana's chances? Can they jag a win in this one? I think I think they can because Suarez um, Suarez's handball is probably still fresh in their minds. <laughs> 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 yeah, um, but then again, right, we had an opportunity to put it away and we missed a penalty, yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel I feel like they can. I feel like they can because, um, like I said, coming off the South Korea game, if they get a win, nothing like confidence to take you into the third game and um, um, boost you there. So, like I said, I feel like Ghana has every opportunity to beat um, Uruguay. It'll be a close game. It's going to go either way, but I'll predict two one to Ghana to win. There you go. So Kofi agrees with me. Thankfully, that Ghana will get through the group and move on to the next part of the tournament. Uh, who do you have, Kofi, just before we wrap this up, uh, who do you have as overall World Cup winner? And how do you think Australia will go, just to make it even more tougher for you? I feel like we have a very good squad. In terms of depth, we probably have one of the best teams in depth that we've had in a while. I'm not talking about the starting 11 because mm-hmm. I don't think anything will beat that. Was it South Korea? Mm. Japan? That's. Yeah. I don't think anyone will... We, I don't think we have the players in terms of experience that we had at that time but mm-hmm. in terms of all-round depth from the starting 11 and on the bench, mm-hmm. we have enough experience with players playing all around the globe to, to do quite well. But then again, with us... 
right, we'll fight to the death. So <laughs> I don't, it's so hard. It is so hard. In my heart, Australia makes out of the group, but I, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, hey, the, That's the only the, answer I think. We can hope for that. We can hope for that. Who do you have winning the whole thing? I like Argentina. I think Messi, I think Messi, you know, people have had a lot of doubt about his production and things like that. Initially, I would have picked France, but I know Pogba has been injured and I know mm. there's a few things I'm happening in the French camp that aren't the same as into the last previous World Cup. So for me, I might, I think I'll go Argentina just because of the Messi factor and the fact that he has a lot of doubt. And, um, and I know that Brazil's there as well, but yeah, I think Argentina have a good chance. Common theme, common selection from our guests. Yeah, I think everyone wants to see Argentina lift that trophy once again for the for the third time. Yeah, uh, on this stage, and very interesting to see how it plays out. I think they're on track to beat Brazil in the semi final if yes, they both win their groups. That's right. Correct. So that will be a fascinating watch as we go further and further into this tournament. Kavi, thank you very much for joining us here on Destination Doha, the back peg. No worries. Thank you for having me. And we look forward to having you uh, on a future episode uh, post the World Cup and to be able to discuss those ideas a bit more because they were really fascinating. No worries. Thank you. So, Lazarus, time for our quirky fact for this week. What have you got for me? For this episode, Nathan, the quirky Qatar fact. Well, there's a few there, but I've picked one that's really interesting if you happen to be in Doha because there's one that you have been saving for the last couple of weeks yeah I'm going to say that till the last group preview I think look it's I'm making more of it than what it probably is right? <laughs> there's a big build up to this work you've well you, from your end I, I know exactly what it is <laughs> it ain't that flash but let's just go ahead with this right a uh, couple of things actually I'll put two facts out two quirky Qatar facts the Doha Tower so if you're in Doha and you're visiting the Doha Tower it has no central core no. No. Wow. So I guess you're going up a donut. It's an interesting way to design a building. It is, isn't it? And also the weekend happens to fall on Fridays and Saturdays. Does it? Hmm. What do you make of that? Would you like to see that implemented here as well or no? Three-day weekend would be nice. Yeah, three-day would be nice. Friday, Saturday, <laughs> Sunday. So there's our quirky guitar fact. And the, like I said, I mean, you're making a big deal of it. Not knowing what the fact is, I can tell you it ain't that flash, but... It is very quirky, so we'll keep that for the Group D preview. Ooh, stay tuned for that one. Yes, I'm building out, but uh, this is one that has kept being uh, kicked down the road, and we're going to come to it eventually, and uh, yes, looking forward to what this one is that you've been keeping up your sleeve. Sure, absolutely. No, it's comical. I found it comical, so hopefully everybody else does as well. So Nathan, word association time. Uruguay. Suarez is what comes to mind for me. Okay. I think of 2005. That's all I'll say. Mm. So, yes. stick that up your jumper. <laughs> <laughs> Portugal. Madeira cake. Oh, I like that. That's really good. Mm. Yeah, Madeira cake, named after the island, of course. Yes. Where Cristiano Ronaldo is from. Yes, your favourite player. My favourite player, as, as, as we alluded to previously. That's right. As well as Moises Enriquez, who's the... The Australian cricketer. There you go. There you go. Well, my word association with Portugal, Sagres beer. I've noticed the theme that I keep going back to beer. It's crazy, <laughs> isn't it? Ghana. The Black Stars. It's just the football team. For yeah. Me. No, hard to go past. Although, a bit of Pelé. Yeah. 
Great player. A better Pele. Great player. Yeah. And, and his offspring. In there. And his offspring as well. Been quite talented for Ghana. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's and not obvious that uh, there is children. No, you're right. Andre Ayew, Jordan Ayew. Yeah. Uh, there's a third sibling as well. There is. Hasn't quite reached the same levels. No. But yes, not obvious. And that's something that I've learned during this uh, preview series, that mm. they actually are the, the children of a Betty Pele. There you go. Who is actually a Betty Ayew? That's right. Mm. Yeah. But a Betty Pele sounds uh, sexier, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, South Korea. Kimchi. Barbecue. Mm. Yeah. Wouldn't mind a bit of South Korean barbecue right now. There's a lot of food and drink going on here. Yeah. <laughs> Tells you where my mind is at. When it's not on football or anything else or family, it's on food and beverages. So that's it for our word association for Group H. That it is. We've only got one more word association to do. Yes, and it's going to be Group, group D. Group D, the big what preview. We're going to say for France and Tunisia in particular. Yeah, France, Tunisia, Denmark. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I've got a couple of choice words for all of them all. Some choice words. Choice words for, for them all, <laughs> yes. No, they're not that. Well, I'm making it sound like it's really bad, but no, no, that's good. That was our word association. So, Nathan, time for our game by game for this Group H. Very much looking forward to how this one's going to pan out. Oof. I'll tell you what, first game day. Uruguay versus South Korea. What are your thoughts? What an incredible group this is panning out to be, just on the face of things, and a great way to kick things off. Uruguay, South Korea, I put this one down as a one-all draw. The way this one... <clears throat> one-all draw, the way I see this one not panning out. I think South Korea can announce themselves on this stage. Whether or not they have Hyuk Min Sun taking the field, whether he is fit for the first game, I still think they can get something out of it. Yeah, I, I think you're right there. I can see this being a very close fixture. And I'll go with you. I'll go with you there. Yeah, I'll go Uruguay one all with Korea, with South Korea. So then we move on to Portugal against Ghana. Oof, this is a tough one as well. It's a tough test for the Ghanaians. It is. It is. It's good to get. I think it's good for them to get Portugal first up though. I think their style would be uh, more favourable against Uruguay and South Korea in this in this group. So. I see Portugal getting a narrow victory here, and I'd say Portugal 2-1. I'm going to go a little bit more of a comfortable win for Portugal, mm. unfortunately. I think similar to the way the Australian group is panning out, they've got the tough team first. Get that out of the way. Perhaps you can catch them on a bit of an off day, yep. a slow build into the tournament, and you might be able to get something. I don't see this happening with Portugal in this instance. I have got this down as a 3 to win to Portugal. Okay. But we have some more uh, potential uh, results coming up later on. Yeah. So at the end of that match day one, you have it as I've got Portugal on three, Uruguay on one, South Korea on one, and Ghana on zero. I have it the same except for goal difference. So we move to match day two: Korea versus Ghana, South Korea versus Ghana. What do you make? This is a very interesting game because if there is to be a team that sneaks in, if Uruguay does fall off a bit and they go home early, this is the game that will decide which one, which of the two teams is ready to pounce. I'm going to go for South Korea. Just. Just. 2-1. I'm going to flip that result. I'm going to go Ghana 2-1 against South Korea. I think Ghana, this is where Ghana pick up three points here. Uh, then that leaves us Portugal-Uruguay, the matchup of this group of death. That it is. I've got it down as a two-all draw. Same here. Yeah? Wow. Same here. I actually had it as a one-all draw, but 
let's go with the two all draw. I think that uh, this game is a draw, which makes the group very interesting. That it does, and everyone's alive in the last match. Day. Absolutely. So just go through your group. Yeah, I've got Portugal and South Korea on four points. Yep. And Uruguay on two, Ghana on zero. So at the end of match day two, I have Portugal on four points. I have Ghana on three points, Uruguay on two points, and South Korea on one, which means that everyone's still alive. And everyone can top the group yeah. in your scenario. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Ghana for mine can't progress. No. Because they're on zero in my scenario. Mm-hmm. And first and second on four points already. But we head into match day three, Ghana against Uruguay. Yeah, this is the tricky one for me. And I'm sticking my neck on the line. I'm hopeful that Ghana will actually... I'm also willing Ghana rather than actually picking them. Because we did say earlier, I think it was in episode one actually, that the, this World Cup is bound to throw up a surprise. So I think, hey, why, the, hey, why not Ghana, right? But like we said, and we keep saying through, or we've kept saying through this episode, is that these four teams, even when you look at their rankings as well, are a lot closer together than any other group. So let's uh, go with Ghana eking out a draw, one all draw against Uruguay. So I've gone for a Uruguay win here, and it might be harsh sending Ghana home on zero points, but in this final match day, I've got Uruguay behind by two points. They need to pick up three, yeah, and hopefully it's not a a draw in the other match for them to progress to the next round. So I do think they pick up the three points in this one, going for a 3-1 to Uruguay. And the last game, South Korea against Portugal. Portugal 2-0. I've gone Portugal 1-0. Okay. So how do we end up with our tables there? So for me, I've got Portugal topping the group on seven points. Mm -hmm. I've got Uruguay and South Korea both on four. Right. So goal difference deciding it. And if my scores are to be believed, then I've got Uruguay edging it by two goals on the differential and Ghana nil points. Yep. Minus six. So um, with my group, I believe I've got Portugal on seven. That's right with our maths there. So we've got Ghana on four. Getting a yep. draw against Uruguay. And Uruguay going home in third. South Korea finishing at the bottom, unfortunately. That sets up an interesting round of 16 clash. Sure does. Ghana going through and taking on the winner of Group G. Which would mean that they would go home against Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. <laughs> no, you never know. We, we have said that this we expect this World Cup to throw up some surprises, so I think that'll be the case. Whichever way it plays out with our groups. But we'll do a whole bracket predictions just before the World Cup starts. So, And you mentioned that just before this World Cup has the potential to throw up some surprise. Oh, I've got one up my sleeve for a knockout surprise. Awesome. Someone doing a bit of a, a surprise run. Will we cover that off in our brackets? Yes. Fantastic. Looking yes. forward to that. Thanks to everyone for joining us on this episode of the Back Peg Destination Doha series where we covered off Group H. Been a pleasure, Lazarus, and a pleasure talking to Kofi Danning. And interesting the way this group is going to pan out, whether your Ghanaian prediction is going to come true. Yes, I think that uh, they'll just sneak in. Very interesting. A Uruguayan collapse, perhaps. I think they're going through, even though I can see a point that this is an aging squad. Mm. And they can not rise to the same levels that they have in recent World Cups. So, very intrigued to see how this one pans out. You never write them off, and that's why I think this is... A justified group of death. I've been Nathan Gould. And I'm Lazarus Gramos. And we'll see you soon. Take care, guys.